this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Psalm, the 68th Psalm. Now, as we're going there, I can tell you some things that we're going to see in the upcoming week. Probably next week, we're going to talk about God is a healer. So begin to get your faith. Begin to believe God. I thank you, Father God. You're a healer. My God is a healer. The second thing that I can tell you, we're going to really begin to hit on miracles again more and more. In the upcoming weeks, many of you were at the Men of Iron this year. You saw the young man. He's in his early 20s now. He had been in an uh, accident. I believe he was on a four-wheeler. Uh, they coded him dead, I believe, seven times at least. And so they got him on video now. And so I want to show you some things off of that in the upcoming weeks. So get your faith out there that he's a healer. He's a miracle-working God. And in saying that, uh, probably many of you saw stuff on the last few days about one of our board members here in the church, Bob Worth. Bob had a, a gun accident the other day. And so I'm going to just brief you a little bit. He is doing well. He's at home. But this hand right here, the bullet went through this finger and went through this finger. And so they've got him pinned right now. The, the thing that we need to pray is that God will heal him. And that there'll be a miracle working power in them that he'll get full range out of them again. I'll tell you guys, when I saw the bullet yesterday afternoon that went through his fingers, it's a miracle, guys. He even got a hand left. And so we're going to lift Bob up. Let's just do that right now, okay? Let's get in agreement. Father God, we just pray your miracle and your healing power that is working in Bob Worth's hand right now. And we thank you, Lord, that he will gain full recovery, full use, full range out of it. And Father God, he'll be even able to play golf again. And we thank you, you're the God of miracles in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just ask you to keep praying that over him, healing. He's doing well. He's doing very good. Well, that's the upcoming weeks. Get your faith out there. This morning, though, we're going to talk about God is a defender. Now, we talked about this last week, and we said, how do you see God? To change your perspective of how you see God if you'll go to the scriptures and look and see how Jesus is, that's how God is. And so today, so today we're going to look at some things about how Jesus is and how Jesus acted toward people and how Jesus even treated people. You know, in Matthew 20, verse 28, it says that Jesus himself said, I came to serve, not to be served. And he was talking about that with people. And so I believe this is going to get on the inside of us today. Begin with me, Psalm 68, verse 4. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Hey guys, that's powerful for us to do it. To sing to God all day long. I don't care if you're at work, at home. Just begin to sing God, even if you're like me and can't sing a lick. I still sing, and I love to sing to God, whether it's the songs on the radio were things that we sing right here in church, but sing to him. Now look what he goes on to say. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name Yah. Now Yah is, the, for, uh, is the, the short form of the Hebrew word Yahweh. And so he tells us right here, uh, by his name Yah. And when you see the word Yah there, his divine name talks about his awesomeness. That God is a God of justice, and God is a God of mercy. Verse number four, five. A father of the fatherless, 
Now that word father there in the Hebrew, it literally means an architect, a builder, or a creator. In other words, the one who causes something to be. Now it talks about here, he says, the father to the fatherless. A defender of the widows is God in his holy habitation. And so although God, he, he soars and he lives in the heavens... He likes to hang out. He likes to be aware of the fatherless, the orphan, the widow. Those are big to Father God. And, and you find out here that God is a defender of the weak. He's a defender of the ones that are defenseless. I believe he wants us to be that way too. Verse 6, God sets the solitary in families, a home for the lonely. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Now go with me to the book of Exodus 22. I'm going to show you another one in here. Just to get in our hearts today that, that God is a defender. That God has a heart for the lonely. You know, when you study God, God's always for the underdog. You go over and over in the Bible and you'll see that. God loves the underdog. So should we. Exodus 22, verse 22. You shall not. Now, when, when the Lord talks about shall not, He means it, okay? You shall not afflict. That word afflict means to treat with contempt or to take advantage of. He said, you shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. Now, right there, it tells me that God is very sens uh, sensitive to the helpless, to the abandoned, to the ones that are very vulnerable in life. His next, this next verse, boy, it's very strong, verse 23. If you afflict them in any way, note the language here, if you afflict them in any way. One translation says, if you cause them pain in any way, and they cry out at all to me. And you know what that is? If their pain is so great that they call out to God, look what happens. I will surely hear their cry. And when God hears their cry, guys, get ready. Because there's going to be some retaliation. Verse 24. And my wrath and my anger will become hot. And I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows and your children will be the fatherless. Now, what I begin to see here, guys, is God hates the pride, the proud, the ones that look at people and we put our nose up toward people. The ones that we look at and we view them as nobodies, as insignificant. God is a defender. Now, once again, I want you to see the heart right here of Father God. What he looks at and what he sees. And I believe even in this passage you can begin to see God does not want you or me to look down upon people. He don't want us to ever frown upon people based on how they look. Based on how much money they have. Their status quo. Where they work. The color of their skin. Uh-oh. God takes notice and he's a defender, and we need to get a hold of this today. 
Now, one of the things I believe God will help every one of us, he'll put, in, put us in positions that we begin to see how people really are. For 17, 18 years of my life, I worked for a utility company, and the utility company I worked in, I lived in the alleys. Now, when you live in the alleys every day, like I did, you begin to see the flow of how an alley operates. Many people don't understand the flow of the alley. And you know who lives in the alley? The insignificant. The homeless. The wino. The ones that live out of the dumpsters. The ones that nobody even pays attention. The forgotten. And so as I begin to work in those alleys, the Lord began to put a heart in me for those people. And once again, one of the keys for every one of us is people don't care how much you know until you know how, they know how much you care. And so the way I began to win them was I had to be good to them. I had to reach out and I had to love them. And God began to teach me that. And that's how God will begin to you. And I look at the course in my life, how God has always put people into my life. Another area he's done that with me is with the orphans in Mexico in Juarez. Many of you have been down there. Many of you had not been there, but you support it. I'm going to tell you guys, I have a heart for those orphans. One of the reasons is just what the Bible said, but number two, James 1.27 says that pure religion or undefiled religion is for me and you to visit orphans and widows, to take care of them. I can't act like they don't exist, and I can't act like they're not worth anything. And so anytime I invest in the weak, the vulnerable, God takes notice. God sees. And I don't have to go to Juarez to see that. I can see that right here in Lubbock, Texas. I can see that right here in our church at times. Now go with me in the New Testament to, to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. What ends up happening, guys, is, is we either view people as adversaries or assets. You know, it wasn't long ago, I was in a situation, and the Lord spoke to my heart with that still, small voice. You know, he spoke to me. There was a situation, and I was around this person, and the Lord said, I love him. And I said, Lord, I know you love him. And the next time the Lord said it to me, it was a lot more authoritative. Where I really sensed the Lord saying, I love him. And I responded and I said, Lord, I know. And when the Lord gets real authoritative with me, you know what I realize he's telling me? Get a hold of this. I love him, he's precious to me, and I want you to treat him like I would treat him. And you know, I love that because at times I think every one of us in this room, we need to get stirred back up. If we're not careful, we go through life and everything's just about me. Life isn't just about me. That we've got to become kingdom-minded. It should bother me and you that people are going to hell. It should bother us that your co-workers, that your neighbors are going to hell. Now let's look at this passage here in Mark 12 today and see what we can learn. Verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and he saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites which make a quadrant. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. 
For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. The first thing I want you to see today is God sees people that no one else may see. And in this passage right here, Jesus took direct notice, and if you'll look real closely in verse 42, it says, this one poor widow, this impoverished, this poverty-stricken woman is who Jesus began to focus in on. And I look and I think he sees those things. And when you look at this, for them to put their money in the treasury, what that meant is they had been at church. And they were coming, walking out of the church. And outside of the church in the treasury were these 13 horns that they would put their offering in. So this lady, this poverty-stricken widow, had been at church. Now here's the question I had to look at when I saw that. I wonder how many people at the first church of Jerusalem even noticed her that day. Even paid any attention to her that day. Because one of the human beings' most desirable cravings is to be noticed. Is to be valued. And even here on Sunday mornings, that's my thought. How many people come in here that maybe we never notice? We're so caught up with me that I don't have time to look at other people. Now, in my own life, guys, I've been on both sides of that coin. When I was 17, I was full of the devil. I lived like a sinner. Most of the people that knew me knew that's how I was. I worked with a guy that was a year younger than me that played football with me. His dad was a Nazarene pastor. His dad began to really reach out to me. And he taught a, a, a high school age Sunday school class before their first service at their church. And he invited me to that class. And I was very reluctant to go but I could sense the Lord pulling on my heart. I walk in that day, and he said, come up here and sit by me. Number one, to make me feel comfortable, but to let everybody else know in the room, I'm okay with him being here, because everybody in there knew my past. This goes on for a couple weeks, and I really enjoyed going to it. And after about the third week, this pastor said to me, he said, why don't you stay for an, our adult service? I did. One time. I walked into that adult service, guys, and not one person spoke to me. Actually, they looked at me like, what are you doing here? Once again, many times we forget, guys, that the church isn't for perfect people. The church is for people to come to know God. And, and if we don't welcome them, the world will welcome them. And so I didn't go back to church for several years after that. And I pray that's never happened to you here in this church. I pray people hug you and kiss you and welcome you. They'll shove you away. The second area of that, the other side of that coin, I'd only been pastoring a year or two, and we were meeting out at 60th and Q and Briarcroft. And one Sunday I was preaching, and I looked at a guy who came in late into the service, and he sat on the back row, and he didn't have his church garments on. Once again, I'll tell you right here, I don't care what you wear to church. You come however you want, we're going to welcome you. If you come in your flip-flops, that's okay. Don't bother me none because I don't believe it bothered Jesus. But this guy came in, and he didn't have the nicest clothes on. 
And the cologne he was wearing was what we'd call leave me alone cologne. He smelled like the dumpster. He smelled like urine. He smelled like just junk. And after the service, he approached me and he started walking near me. And I heard Jesus say this with that still small voice. He said, I died for that smell. And I nodded and I thought, "Uh uh-huh. And I heard Jesus say it again. I died for that smell. In other words, I want you to love him. I want you to reach out to him. And many times in our life, we don't want to do that. We would rather look the opposite way. How many have been gone home on a Sunday after church and you've gone to these corners where these guys are out selling newspapers and a lot of times we don't want to make eye contact with them. You know why? If I don't make eye contact with them, I don't have to deal with them. Ouch, pastor, that hurt. That hurt. But what if God wanted you to make contact with them? What if God wanted you to bless them? What if God wanted you to just reach out and say, God loves you. God's for you. See, that's the first thing I want you to see. The second thing I want you to see is God sees the actions that no one else may see. Whether it's in your giving or how you treat other people. Back to verse 41 again. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and he saw how the people put money into the treasury and many who were rich put in much. Then the one poor widow came and threw in two mites which make a quadrant. Now when you look at this back in verse 41, they're coming out of church to give their offerings. Now get this. Jesus pulls up a a chair. He's sitting in this chair. I believe he's got his... He's got his legs crossed. And he's drinking a little Starbucks. Maybe, I don't know. And he's watching how people put their money in their treasury. And when you study this out, the rich guys, what they were putting in wasn't quality, it was quantity. Most believe that they weren't putting in silver and gold They were putting in brass, which wasn't worth anything compared to the silver and gold. And what they would do, they would bring large amounts of brass and throw it in there. You know why? To impress everybody else, to make everybody think, man, they're giving a bunch. They're giving a bunch. But this lady comes and throws in this tiny bit, and it's so significant that look what happens in verse 43. So Jesus called his disciples to himself. This moves Jesus so much that he watched what this lady, that he looks and says, time out. And he tells his disciples, he said, come here, boys. I want you to see this. And he says, as surely I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. You know what I believe Jesus saw from this woman? Her sacrifice. Does it move me to give? And I'm not talking just about our tithes and offerings. I'm talking about every time in life. Does it move you to give? Because if it doesn't move you to give, it doesn't move God to give what you give. It doesn't move him. Now, I believe this with all my heart, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus that day watched how they gave, he watches how me and you give. He watches how we treat other people. He watches how we, we, we do to the ones who can't take care of themselves. 
the fatherless. The third thing I want you to see today is he no longer watches what we give, he watches how you give. Look in verse 41 again. Now Jesus said opposite this treasury, and he saw how they gave. He saw how they gave. You know what Jesus was watching for? Not only that they gave, he was watching their attitude. Just like he watches mine and yours. When I have an opportunity to bless someone, do I complain about it? Do I say, God, do you think money grows on a tree? Do you think I'm a banker? Even in when we give our tithes and offerings, it says, don't give grudgingly. And so God watches our attitude even in this. And when you have the opportunity to bless ones, whether it's the fatherless, the widow, or the orphan, do you complain about it? See, in America, we're awfully, awfully, awfully spoiled. And I'm not just saying that. I'm saying that about me. And I say that even because today we got a group that's going down to the orphanage to bless the orphans that those little rascals will have school supplies. I wish we could roll a video camera to watch what a $5 backpack would do for a child. To see what a thing of crayons would do. You know what we do as Americans? I don't want that. I want a Under Armour backpack. I'm going to tell you guys, when we have the opportunity to bless them, we need to bless them. To take them, to give them shoes. Many of them that have gone, they were with us one year, and for some reason they put me in charge of the shoe distribution. Whoever's idea that was wasn't good. And so the little orphans would come walking up, and I would put them on, and if they were close, I'd say, there you go. And some of them were walking around slapping their feet, you know, and some of them's shoes were falling They were so grateful. They would show their little shoe and say, look, look. And see, many of you hadn't been down there, but you've given. And I'm going to tell you right now, God's seen your heart. And when you look what the Bible says, God is the defender of the ones who can't defend themselves. And even ones down there that work, guys, there's a cook that stands out. Every time I go, I become very observant. And I said this in the first service. When I walk in, guys, they treat me like a king. And I hate it. I don't want them to do that. I don't want to take their food. I don't want to take their water. But they're so honored. And they come around me, and this lady always does that. Every time I'm around her, she cooks from sunup to sundown. And you know what her wages is? Nothing. She gets a place to stay and food to eat. You know what we as Americans would do if we worked 12 hours a day and we didn't get a paycheck? Peace. If that rocks some of you. But I look at this lady's heart. And she just wants to be a blessing. And there's some of you in this room who've blessed her before. And I'm going to tell you, there was one of them that was so significant that this lady was ready to quit giving up because she felt invaluable. Does anybody even notice? Does anybody ever say thank you? And that day that Shelly was at the orphanage, she gave money. 
And that lady wept. And she cried. I believe this needs to get on the inside of us, guys. And you look at all this and you begin to see Jesus was attracted to the leper last week. He's attracted to a poor widow this week. You want to know how all this transpires with Jesus? Look back in verse 38 in this. And I want you to see this today. Then Jesus said to them in the course of his teaching, Beware of the scribes. Beware of the religious. Beware of the ones who think they're better than you. And look what he defines this as. Who desire to go around in long robes and they love greetings in the marketplace. They love to draw attention to themselves. They love to tell you what they've done for everybody. And Jesus said, beware of these. And he goes on to say in verse 39, they love the best seats in the synagogues and the best places of the, of the feast. They love the places of honor. But look how he ends. Those who devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers, these will receive a greater condemnation. He strongly condemns them because of their pride, their desire to become prominent, their self-pity and how cruel they were. Now if you look at the first part of verse 40, he says something in there that will get your attention. Who devour widows' houses. What did that mean? These guys that were scribes, that were so religious, they would prey on widows. And how they would do it, they would basically con them out of their homes or their inheritance. And they would say stuff like this. If you really love Jesus, you would give your, heart over to, your home over to us. Instead of helping them, they were stealing from them. And Jesus condemned this right here greatly. Two things that I always noticed got under Jesus' skin. Number one is pride. When we walk around on earth and we think, I'm better than them. I don't have to speak to them. I don't have to treat them right. And I'm going to tell you, in this church, I won't put up with it. I hate that stuff. I've had people in this church who've said this to me. I don't want my kids being around some of the kids that are coming to this church. And you know what they forget? God created those kids. And you know what pastor's take is on it? Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Because we're going to love people around here. We're going to reach out to people. Many of you who, who give every week, I want you to know this. That you're touching a generation right now of the fatherless. We have so many kids, teenagers that are coming to this church, that there's no father figures in their life. And so when you look at that, we're actually doing what Jesus told us to do to defend the fatherless. Six out of every ten children that are born in America right now have no father. But guess what? They're flocking to the church because they want to be accepted. They want to be valued. Once again, one of the greatest cravings of the human being is I want to be accepted. I want to be valued. I want to be loved. But the question is today, will you love them? Will I love them? 
And I'm going to throw out a challenge today to men in this room. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you've never been involved in children's ministry. We need you, guys. We need you. Where do we need you? Where do we need us, Pastor? Right here in these, ch- these hallways. Almost every Sunday, the majority of the people in these hallways serving are women. We better not let women preach. We better not let women get up here. Well, guess what? If we don't, where's the church at? We sure let them in that hallway. Ooh, you're preaching good, Pastor. I tell you guys, I don't want to see a generation die and go to hell. It bothers me. It bothers me being around our teenagers at camp and seeing how many of them don't have a father. So this passage right here takes place on a Tuesday. The following Friday, the upcoming Friday, Jesus would die on the cross. And what did Jesus die on the cross for? To redeem me and you's hearts. And I truly believe this. If you're really born again, the proof of you being born again, it'll bother you how people are being treated. If it doesn't bother you when people are being abused, treated ugly, then I really wonder if you're born again. It should bother us. You let Jesus get into your heart, He'll change your attitude. And when Jesus changes your attitude, He'll change your actions. But if you're having problems today with your attitude and your actions, maybe we ought to look on the inside of us and say, am I really born again? Does it move me to see people impoverished? Okay, one of the greatest things it does for this American is when I go to that orphanage. You know what it does? It yanks the slack out of me. It makes me become very grateful for the things I have. But you know what else it does? It says, i got to get involved. Whether it's in Juarez or right here in Lubbock, Texas. That if we don't start rising up and start praying, guys, this stuff is going to get really ugly. But I believe we can rise up. I believe we can come together and we can start saying, you know what? If I can make a difference in one child's life, I'll do it. If I can make a difference in one teenager, I'll do it. Stand on your feet with me. I hope I didn't offend you. That wasn't my goal today to offend you. But my goal was to let you see God is a defender. God is a defender. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.